Strongman Academy podcast number 10. Welcome back, guys. Today I have a really, really special guest, a really important person in my life, without a doubt the most influential person in my life outside of my parents. Uh, He has been a tremendous impact on the Baton Rouge wrestling community for about 35, 40 years. Um... I say 40 years, that would put him back in when he was wrestling in high school. So, let's say 30, 35 years. Um, He's going to be a future Hall of Famer as far as a coach. He's put at least 20 kids in college, uh, coached city championship team before, Baton Rouge Coach of the Year, uh, probably about 25, 30 state champions over the years. Um, His impact to the Baton Rouge wrestling community is, is just endless and he's produced a a boatload of coaches under his wing as well um his legacy will will exist for a long time and with me and in my own personal life um he's the reason I'm a teacher he's the reason I got into education he really lit the fire in my life now where I learned my work ethic from my dad my dad has worked his ass off his whole life and and I without a doubt learned that from him, but Pat Mahoney lit that fire and and has allowed me to kind of move forward with a lot of purpose and a vision and, and everything I do in my life and with this program and, and how I want to impact it. In fact, when I look at what I do as strong men, I look at what he did for me as a coach, and I coached for several years. I coached wrestling, and I was a selfish athlete, and I found when I was coaching, I was a selfish selfish coach. I wanted kids to win more as a reflection for me than for them. So now with strong men, I get to go back, and I get to teach them all the lessons and do all the little things that Coach Mahoney did for me. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself, Pat? Yeah, uh, Pat Mahoney. Uh, graduated Baton Rouge High in 1986, 15-year uh, route through college, <laughs> graduated LSU with a double master's 2001, and uh, just been coaching, teaching, 23 years Army National Guard, and uh, coaching 32, wrestling 36, uh, just living the life, man. Just, I appreciate all the kind things you say. You really don't think about it. You just show up and do what you're supposed to do. And next thing you know, 30 years later, somebody you love is doing great things and interviewing you. So Yeah. Well, I hope I hope you thought about what you said. You just show up every day and do it. But we, I do want to talk about how you do it. So I hope over those years you put a little thought into it. What is it that allows you to connect so well with young men? How do you inspire so many of them, especially the underdogs, to work so hard and achieve so much? Well, I mean, it starts within yourself. I was, when I came up, I was the little short, fat kid and, you know, bullied and went through all the stuff that every kid goes through and, uh, you know, you, I kind of fell into wrestling. My one of my god brothers wrestled at Baton Rouge High, or two of them did. One graduated before I got there. One was a senior when I got there, and I just never thought I'd be an athlete. I wasn't up until then. Decided to wrestle, <clears throat> and um, I think I was the only kid on the team. My wrestling coach didn't recruit. I showed up and he was, you know, old coach holder. Yeah. Oh, what you doing here? I said, oh, I want to wrestle, and he kind of. Mm. All right. I guess, I guess he thought <clears throat> I get beat up enough, I'd leave. But I'm kind of stubborn and hard headed, you know. I, I was destroyed my first year, but I got so much from famil- fulfillment from being on a team, and you know, at some point, you know, they accepted me. And so that, that became important. I lost all that weight my first year. I lost like 55 pounds and then <clears throat> started developing into a wrestler. And, but when, uh, when, you, when you come back and you, 
And Coach Holder put me in a leadership position as far as uh, uh, being an assistant coach. Then it's, it's easy to coach the kid that is quick and he's fast and he's strong and, he, and has that natural confidence because his whole life he was, he was that way. So you don't even spend that much time with that kid. You know, you, hey, this is what this is what we're going. We're going to do this today, and then go do it. So you end up spending the most time, you know, your most quality time with that kid who was like me, that really wanted to do right, do the right thing. He really, I, I wanted to be a good wrestler. I want to be a great wrestler. But people don't realize uh, these kids are going to show up and work as hard as they know how to. And my dad was the hardest working man I ever knew in my life. He was a pipe fitter his whole life. You know, until, I mean, he, he did pipe hitting 40 years. He loved it, loved every second of it. <clears throat> it wasn't that he didn't try to get me to work hard. You know, there just, there were things in the way. Like, as men, we try to push our, our sons, our, you know, and their moms, our wives, on the other side. Hey, you know, take it easy on him. He'll, he'll get it one day. And I did get it one day. But it happened when, after my career was over. So when I look at these kids, I try to explain to them, look, you know, I take a kid that comes to me no matter where his starting point is, and you just make him understand, okay, I do believe everyone can be a champion. I believe that with all my own. But you have to recognize where your starting point is and where you have to catch that up. Okay, so you're not as strong as the guy next to you. All right, so that means between now and next year, we have to get strength. You're not as fast as he is. So we have to work on that. So you close that gap. You, if you recognize where you're starting, and you're honest with yourself, I tell my kids, hey, okay, <clears throat> if you want to be a champion, these are things you have to do. And you convince the kid that he can do it. And that's, that is the absolute most important thing you can do to a young man is, is make him believe in himself. Now, once I get a kid believing he can do it, then what you do is you you get the other guys on the team that have been with you that understand your position and you pawn them off on those guys because the coach is supposed to coach a kid. But when you got the stud on your team working with you, then you really feel like you belong. And no matter what happens, <clears throat> and believe it or not, the success that we've had and that I've had through coaching very little emphasis is put on success because, you know, we sit and we talk about guys like you setting records, state finals as a sophomore, hardly ever lost. You, everything you touch, you're a champion. But what about a guy like Will, Will Carroll that worked hard? Or what about Leroy Hubert? What about guys like, um, you know, Will O'Neill? They worked hard and they didn't achieve. Guys like Warren Roberts got close. You know, do you take anything away from him because he wasn't a state champion? You, you won the biggest term of the year in the Classic, didn't win state. Do, do, do we say you're a lesser wrestler because you beat the guy that beat you in the state finals? No, so success is, do you look back from where you started from to where you are and feel fulfilled? If I've always felt like when a kid comes back to me, if a kid comes back to me after he doesn't have to be with me anymore, then I did a good job with that kid. And that's the success. If you have kids that were under you and they come back, to just say, hey, coach, how you doing? Like, I really needed some motivation a few weeks ago. And I looked up, and Paul Lambermont was in the room. Thomas Webb was in the room. Josh Derenberg was in the room. Crazy Eyes surprised me. He's home for three days from the Air Force. Tyler Irvin, all these guys. Just guys who used to be wrestlers of mine just showed up <coughs> just say what's up man how you doing coach man I just blood just fills you up so the, and then what happens is you kind of build a team of uh, what's the old uh, 
the island of misfit toys, you know, if you make kids believe that no matter who you are or what your limitations are, that you can still be successful, well, who doesn't want to be a part of something like that? They know, they know <clears throat> no matter what, when they come to your program, they're going to be accepted, right? Yeah. I mean, of course, there's, you have your, you have your, Standards. We tell kids, listen, you do not have to set your goals high. You don't. You just want to be a wrestler. You just want to be on the team. That's, we're fine with that. That's fine. But <clears throat> you might as well set them high because you're going to work as hard as a guy that wants to be a champion. Yeah. These are non-negotiables. Right. You're going to be at practice. You're going to work hard. You're going to pay the price. Now, <clears throat> that doesn't mean your goals have to be like, my son wants to be a state champ. But hey, man, might as well. And so then, if you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you accept those people, I mean, that's everybody. There's no pressure. Just come. We're going to welcome you. We're going to love you. We're going to train you. And then what happens is you look up. 30 years down the road, and man, kids you never thought would be champions or champion. You know, kids are wrestling in college. Kids are bringing their sons to you to coach. And then I think that, to me, <clears throat> that is the biggest sign of success is your legacies. Guys, you know, like you that are teaching and coaching. You know, Derek Ryder, that is a business owner and tells you, Everything I learned in wrestling is what makes me a successful businessman. Brad Whitfield's a doctor. You know, I, wrestling got me through med school. <coughs> Those things right there, you know, it just keeps you going. And it's like, you know, you're always looking for that next one. I got like four seventh graders right now. Like, one of them reminds me of so much of you. Oh, for sure. Hard headed dude, man. But, and you'll meet him. Yeah, I'm kind of doing that with my program. I've got these 6th and 7th graders that I got my eyes on. And they, they ask me all the time. They're like, can I be in strong, man? How can I be in strong? Because this is 8th grade right now. And I want to try to expand it to 7th grade next year. We'll see. But, um, <coughs> but yeah, man, they're, they're chomping at the bit to be a part of it. So this year I can actually do applications for who's in my homeroom. Now, all the 8th graders get it. But that homeroom, that 21, 20 kids, that's, that they feel... Like, that's a prized group. Sure. And so they, they're starting to work on their behavior throughout 6th and 7th grade so they can get there. And then it's like the goal has been met. Right. You know. And this is year what? Three? It's year two. Year two. Year two. So. And I've always said. <coughs> it's. Um, you just have to set a standard of respect. And it's. You know, I teach middle school as well, and I love it. You know, Miss Kara says that I'm perfect for middle school because I'm just as stupid as they are. Right. <laughs> but but I, I love it because I think sometimes people misunderstand that high, they think high school is where you get your role, where you're going to be the jock, the nerd, whatever it is that you're going to be typecast at in your crew. <clears throat> and that happens in middle school. These these are kids that they're 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 searching. They want to be part of something fulfilling, something that's motivational, something that makes them worthy. Yeah, see, and, see, I say it, it, you you find your passion in high school, but middle school is where you get your spark. That's another way of putting it, and that's that's a good way of putting it. But you know, you, <clears throat> like things like Strongman Academy, and you know. Uh, the wrestlers I coach and you know coach Mike he's always like man what do you I mean where where are the other kids you're only picking one kind of kid and I said well, that's the kind of kid I like uh one of my dads said this isn't a wrestling team man this is Mahoney's team of wayward young men but those are the kids that are gonna believe it or not are gonna give you the most yeah, I've had kids, <clears throat> not to say I'm knocking on them, 
But I, I can do great things for a kid that comes to me that has a mother and father supporting them, doesn't miss a match, doesn't miss a practice. He's always where he's supposed to be, never an issue. Team fees are paid. I mean, the perfect, the perfect athlete. Of that kid, he's going to be okay. The kid that I endear myself to are the ones that don't have anything. That show up to me with three-year-old shoes, three-year-old clothes, angry, pissed off, got the chip on the shoulder. You know, can't tell them anything. Everything you, everything you instruct them has got attitude coming back at you. And you just, just put your hand on his shoulder and say, man, look, it's going to be all right. It's okay to be pissed off. You know, God's not giving you the normal childhood. You have to, you know, this one kid that I want you to meet, <clears throat> Trent loves him. And Trent picks him up just like I do. And this kid's never had a man around him. He, he, he's not sure how a man's supposed to act. And so... He spends some time with us at the house. He spent Thanksgiving with us. And, you know, he understands. And he's starting to get it. And he knows the tone of voice. He knows the look. This is what men do. This is what men do not do. And you can see him looking for that approval. You yeah. Know? And now he has big brothers, Trent and Brad and Pat, Coach Pat. You know, Miss Kara. You know how she used to do, get on my case to save y'all. You know, he just loves that when I'm getting on his case and Miss Carrie's yelling at me. And it's the same thing I've been doing for 32 years. And, I, you know, and I thank God for Miss Kara. She's always been that good cop. You know, it was, it was you got to have, you have, have to have a good teammate, you right. know. And I'll tell you, if, if I have to give my success to anybody, it'd be to Miss Kara because... Especially before we had kids. When we had kids, it changed. I've always, she used to say, you treat your rest, you treat your kids like you treat your wrestlers. And I was like, no. I treat my wrestlers like I treat my kids. I, I, I never distinguished just because we had different last names that I would treat you any differently. I loved you. Yeah. Because I loved you, this is how I treat you. You know, and, and when my kids were growing up with y'all, I mean, how many uncles they got? 15 uncles yeah. because you guys were around when they were coming up and I wanted it that way. I wanted you guys. I wanted y'all to mentor my kids and I wanted them to look up to you guys. And <clears throat> so when you have Miss Kara as your teammate and I'm like, you know, damn it, Andy, I'm sick of telling you this, telling you that. And <clears throat> you might be feeling a little dejected. And then I leave. She'll come behind me. Coach Mahoney just loves you. <laughs> he, he can't wait right? to see you wrestle. He, he he talks about you every single night. Because you have to have that balance, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like single moms. I I I'm I'm so direct now. I tell these moms. I I got into an argument with a mom the other day. She was gonna pull her son off the team because his grades dropped. I said he's not gonna pull him off the team. Oh, I'm pulling him off the team, coach. I said, well, you think wrestling causes grades to drop? No, but he's talking about this. I said, no. And I just thought I asked her, <clears throat> how long have you been mom and dad? And she just kind of looked at me. It's the first time I ever met her. I said, how long have you been mom and dad? A long time, coach. Well, guess what? You got strong men in his life now. You got me, Coach Mike. You got Trent. Right? You're going to keep him on this team. And you just be mom. And we'll bust his head at practice. I'll talk to his teachers. I'll get the grades up. Right? But just lean on us a little bit because you have not been able to lean on anybody. And, the, and that's how we get the moms bought in because they, you know, they, they only know one way, punish. You know, I, well, you did this and that's it. You're grounded. No, no, no. Come sit in practice. I'll put that 25-pound plate on his chest for 30 minutes. Yeah. He'll be all right. We'll get him right. And... <clears throat> And it's about accountability, too. You know, and that's, I think probably wrestling has helped me as much as anybody as far as, uh, like, just 
when you start mentoring people, you really have to look within yourself, you know, and I'm by no means a perfect man, but I've always tried to be a good man, you know, and when I have guys come back that I love and respect like you, you know, the the 2001 class and Leon's, all those, all the guys. Yeah. And they pay me the compliment of talking about how much they love me. And then, you know, it gives you some validation and kind of makes you think you're doing the right thing. And you, you find something that works and just keep doing it. And I, I think maybe uh, success is just longevity because you just keep doing it and you keep, and it's just, the numbers build up. You know, I was actually not going to coach past 1991. You know, I was spending all my time coaching. I was working a little $10 an hour job and Miss Kara and my mom were like, you know, this wrestling stuff, you're not even getting paid for it. You just need to find something else to do. You're right. Because I, I had dropped out of college. That was what, 90? Was 91 was Tate's senior year? Yeah. So I said, okay, I, I'll make a deal with it. Because Chris Forrest graduated in 90 with Brett Whitfield. Right. So Clody was going for his second title in ninety ninety one. I said, okay, when Clody graduates, then I'm done. And if I can't get back in school, I'll go get a plant job. And like nine out of ten guys in Louisiana. Well, Greg Punch came along as a freshman in that year. Him and his brother, single mom, Karen. His mom fell in love with each other, became best friends. And I was talking about, well, I'm going to start looking for a job. You know, Clody was almost about to be finished. And she's like, well, you can't leave Punch. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and he goes, no, you got to see Punch through. All right, fine. So then <coughs> 93, 94 comes rolling around. And I said, all right, this is it. Well, that's when Derek Ryder came, was the first freshman we ever had that qualified for a state tournament. Well, you can't leave Ryder. I was like, look, y'all want me to stop coaching or not? <clears throat> so, 94, I've been married for two years. And uh, I told Miss Kara, I said, look, when are we going to start having kids? And she goes, when you finish college. I was like, what? Wait, whoa, what? <clears throat> so then I looked into it and... I started back in 96 and finished with the double masters in 2001. And, of course, my goal was not to be a teacher. I was going to do something else. Physical therapy was the goal. But with a 3-3, you're not getting PT school. So, switched to education. And, then, you know, we were all thrilled. We didn't really care about how much I was making as a teacher. We just couldn't believe I was getting paid to coach. First time in 14 years, I got a paycheck to be a wrestling coach, you know. And uh, then <coughs> rest is history. You know, I ended up teaching uh, one year in Baton Rouge. And moved over to East Ascension. The team was two years old. I think I was, I thought I'd be a Baton Rouge child my whole career. And then God just works in mysterious ways. That 2001 team graduated. We had a couple guys, Andrew Cernus, uh, Nick Touye. We had a few Tim guys, Dawson. Tim Dawson, uh, we had a few guys that were left on that team, and and just it was an opportunity for me to go to Gonzales, and I've been there seventeen years. Yeah, you know, and built a pretty good program there. So, that's a lot of heart. Moving on though, like Thomas, to the opposite end of the spectrum about wrestling, it's such a brutal and physical sport. <coughs> And, you know, I was telling somebody this morning how I went to practice yesterday and wrestled those big guys at Baton Rouge High, and my body was just aching, my neck's throbbing. And I, and, I, and I was telling, this is a woman, young woman, and I was like, no, it's, it's just one of those deals where you just got to get back in wrestling shape. And she's like, what, what exactly does that mean? I was like, well, you just got to get used to getting beat up every day. And after about three weeks, you're just used to getting beat up all the time, and it's normal. Yeah. And she was like, she didn't even get it. <laughs> but, like... So how does how does such a physical brutal sport 
create like self-love, self-respect, and then a sense of camaraderie, and then eventually like a love for your teammates, and you even get to agree to where you have a level <coughs> of love for your opponent. Like how does all that come through that physical? Well, you know, the, believe it or not, the biggest challenge for us in wrestling is the actual uniform. <laughs> we got more guys who don't want to wrestle, not because they're scared of hand-to-hand combat or getting hurt. They want to wear a singlet, you know? And that's why they had that rule change a couple of years ago that you can now wear the doublets, so a two-piece singlet. But what happens is that you have to know how to sell it, right? So I want to... What I tell every young man is one day... God willing, you'll be a husband or even a father. And, like, I never played football. But I do respect football and the fact that a young man has to line up in front of another man and hold his ground. And that's what men have to do. And when I tell a kid that comes out for wrestling, he's not sure about it, I say, look, man, I understand how you feel. Because I was... I had that anxiety myself when I first started. And, you know, I I just got beat up. And I tell them that if you can go out there in front of everybody and just get through that first match, you won the biggest battle you're ever going to face in your life. Because everything that we do in wrestling is against your natural instinct. Every organism's natural instinct is to flee from danger, to go the other way, flight or fight. You manually override that. Because it's not like football, like I play rugby. So I never really felt like I was by myself. I had my teammates on the field with me. In football, you're never really by yourself. Right. You got somebody out there with you. In wrestling, we force you to walk out into a a 25-foot circle and shake hands with another guy that really wants to beat you up. And if you're not sure about yourself, <coughs> if you're not sure about your abilities, man, that's... You remember... I ever tell you how, tell you how you first match? You remember that story he's talking about when you walk out there and you... It's like you walk on a mattress and your legs are numb and your hands are sweating, you're tired, but you haven't done anything yet. And everything's in slow motion. And I'm calling your name. You're looking at me slow, shaking your head slow. Everything sounds and you know mur- like murmured. And, uh, but then when the whistle blows, it's like an explosion goes off and everything's happening way faster than you can handle. And so I've never forgotten that feeling, ever. You know, and... So when you get that kid, you say, look, I know exactly what you're going through. I know how your legs feel right now. I know how your heart's racing right now. I know how your mouth is dry right now. But you're going to be okay, I promise you. Right? You make them believe in themselves. And then you go out there, and no matter what happens, no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. Go out there and get your head beat in. Okay. You don't even talk about the loss. Hey, we worked on stance. Where were your hands? Okay, you got a good shot. Where's your head? Was your head down or up? So you, you immediately get their mind off of failure. And I tell, I tell every first-year guy, I could care less how you do against a senior. Because you know in our sport, we don't have the numbers like you would in football. Football has a ninth-grade division, a JV division, a right. varsity. Wrestling... A lot of times, you can have a freshman in your starting lineup. Yeah. And he just has to go out there and pound, you know, go fight for points. And he's not going to do very well. And you let him know. Like, just for example, I got a baby. Big old 223-pound baby. And he can't beat my junior at 220. So he has to wrestle heavyweight. <coughs> Nervous is all get out. And I told him, I said, let me tell you something. We fight for everything. You're giving up 60 pounds, and I'm fine with that. And I'm going to be proud of you no matter what you do. 
because I love you for who you are. But we would never give up six points. I'd rather you go out there fight and lose and get pinned, giving up six points, than for to concede because men fight for everything. Every we fight for everything. We're never gonna. You're never gonna give up anything. So when they get in that, and you let them know that, and then once after the first after the first match, they realize they're not gonna get broken up or killed or whatever. Right. Then it's okay. Then it's just wrestling. And then we just. We build on success. We know I have a kid hasn't won a match yet. He's going to win one. I've never had a guy, I've never had a guy not win a match his first year ever. Never. Who? Any Falgo? No, he won. No, he, I, I guarantee he won. He won a match his first year. Guarantee it. Jay, okay. Guarantee it. Well, then I only say that I'm sure Eddie's going to listen to this. Yeah. I only say that because he was 82 pounds. Right. Wrestling 103. But but you remember when he was 103 pounds as a senior, benching 200-something pounds that I yeah. used to stand on his chest? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That <coughs> heart gets you a lot in wrestling. No, no, no. Okay. So we get that first match. I, if, I, if I get that first match, if I get you to win that first match, I got you. If I get you through your second, second year, I, have, I got you for life. Yeah. And <coughs> the... It goes back to the very first thing I was talking about. You make that kid feel welcomed, beloved, and that he's going to be part of that team. There is absolutely no hazing allowed on my team. None. None. We don't tell racial jokes. We don't make racial... T- I mean, even... even Because a lot of times... Like, I was in the Army for a long time, and... A lot of grown folk like to, you know, make jokes and in kindness. And if and if you say it to the right guy, they they laugh about it, and you can use it, you know, as far as racial jokes to each other or short, tall jokes, fat, skinny jokes, you know, whatever. And it's it's what some people think is cool. We don't. We we will not allow it. My team captains won't allow it. We might pick on each other about how you wrestle. Like I told Greg Punch one time. Greg Punch said to me one time, he told somebody, because, you know, Coach Mahoney make you feel the best you ever felt and the worst you ever felt in the same sentence. He said, well, he told me, Greg, that was the best high cross I've ever seen or any kid I ever coached. Just think if you could shoot a freaking half Nelson, you could mm. pin people, you know. <laughs> so, <clears throat> stuff like that. But we let kids know it's okay to be different. And, and it's, it's amazing when you, what, what, a, what a kid will do once you make them believe in themselves, they don't care about hand-to-hand combat. They don't care about the hard training. They don't care about the hour-long gut checks because that's where they want to be, right? I had a kid whose mom was calling me up, him and his mom, little, little weak kid, 113 pounds. Every day the mom's calling me to tell me what his limitations are. She can't believe he's wrestling. This is hand-to-hand combat, coach. I'm like, he's going to get killed. He's going to get beat up. <coughs> This kid just want to be on the team. Well, you know, Coach, he's got a problem with stuttering. And I was like, well, we'll fix that. Said, Come here, man. And your mom said you stutter. And you just kind of look down. And it, it's the kind of thing that parents do unwillingly to belittle their, kill, their kids. We're, they want to protect them so much that they harp on their shortcomings to let us know it's okay. Right? Well, he's, Coach, you know he stutters. When I call him over there, I said, you stutter? You could immediately see the shame in his face. He put his head down. Just shook his head. Yeah, I said, well, if anyone messes with you, tell them to go f- f- fuck themselves and just keep on about your business. Immediately, no shame. He's ready to work. And he would run through a wall for me because I, I told him right then, dude, I don't care what anyone else says about you. You're mine now. I love you. You're going to be held to a high standard. We're going to expect greatness out of you. What young person doesn't want to hear those things? It, you know, wrestling, wrestling is a brutal sport. And it's a grind sport. You know, Coach Mike's favorite saying, embrace the grind. Right? <clears throat> you know it. Because yeah. you're one of the hardest working guys I ever coached. You just, you just put yourself in that pain mode. You stayed there. Because in your mind, you were your worst enemy. 
if you could just surpass everything you thought you could do, then who's going to stop you? Right. And that's what the great ones do. So when you get them in this, in this room, no matter how hot it is, how hard it is, once you start making them believe in themselves, they don't care. They don't worry about it. Just get them past the allness. Oh, wrestling. No, man. It's not, we're just wrestlers. We hang out and we beat up on people. And we're going to love you. That's it. <laughs> for sure. So, last big question I got for you here. And, and I think you knew it was going to circle back around to this. I mean, you've done this your whole life because it's just what you wanted to do. And you've done it for just for kids, no matter who they were. But now we're in a place where Trent Mahoney, currently having one of the greatest wrestling careers in Louisiana history, Brad Mahoney on pace to win City as a junior and make a run at a state title next year. Patrick Jr. coaching beside you. Walk me through that evolution of getting there and, and how much it really means, if you can put it into words, because I know you can't. Well, it's all I ever dreamed about. You know, what wrestling did for me, um, I want to do for everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I went out for football my eighth grade year, and that was scary for me because anytime you try out for something, it's, it's hurtful, it's painful. You're putting yourself out there and you're being judged. And when you're five foot five and 200 pounds and you want to be a part of it and you get cut, you're too slow, you're not big enough, you know, whatever. <clears throat> it it stings. So when I got into wrestling, it changed everything for me. Hey, you know what? I don't have to be fast. Everything I need to be successful wrestling, I can work to get. Lot, we, we don't get a lot of like natural five-star athletes because you can walk into football and they'll find a place for you to be successful. If you're super tall, you can walk on a basketball court and have success. But you take those same athletes and you put them in wrestling and you get some little skinny guy like Trent Mahoney that's been wrestling since he was three and just rip your spine out and make you look like you're not an athlete, they don't ever come back. But what it does for a guy like me, when I lost 55 pounds, when I got stronger, when I got taller, I got the respect of being a wrestler. You know, I still love my cauliflower ear. People see it and they're like, you wrestled. Yes, ma'am. I sure did. Well, I loved you guys so much. It was just a natural process that when I had sons, and God blessed me with three great sons, they were going to grow up on the mat. Patrick learned to walk on the mat. Trent learned to walk on the mat. Brad learned to walk on the mat. Remember practices with the boys in the room. Right? I mean... You were there in Pat's birth with Kate O'Neill holding the ball in one hand, blowing the whistle in the other. You know what I'm saying? Trent, remember his crawl? One knee down, shot. Yeah. Oh, my God. Look at this kid, right? So people, people don't believe, really don't believe me when I talk about them wrestling. I never made him wrestle. Remember we took Pat to that tournament? He was five. He got beat up. He said, I ain't ever coming back. But he got into Catholic High in eighth grade, De Palma, Prohaska. No, you're going to wrestle. He wrestled five years. <clears throat> Trent loved wrestling. And this, this is a true story. People think it's not. I went to one wrestling tournament without Trent when he was like three, four years old. He was so mad at me. He didn't talk to me for two days. I said, well, son, I woke you up. He said, you want to go? You know I wanted to go. Hey, son, I woke you up. But then what I made sure is from then on, I made him come with me. And when we got to the, re- we got to the gym, boom, I didn't even see him. He'd show up every couple hours, ask me for concession money. Then he got wise. He just started saying, I'm Coach Mahoney, son. Go to the hospitality room. Right. <laughs> I used to have to look for him to leave. Hey, I'm ready to go. Where's Trent? He's over there wrestling. Brad being the little brother, one year behind same thing. Well, <clears throat> over the years, you know, Patrick, Patrick wrestled 
because his dad coached it. Because he was at Catholic High and they had the best program in the area. And his brothers wrestled. It was a family business type thing. Yeah. Right? I don't think, you know, when he was a junior, he was 227. He could lose seven pounds, challenge his buddy for the varsity spot, and everybody even. Trim's like, Pat, lose the seven pounds, go for the varsity spot, and, and you know, be, be the varsity wrestler as a junior. Well, <clears throat> Pat was the backup heavyweight. Their heavyweight was KJ, number one in state. Pat says, no, I'm just going to back up KJ and be his workout partner. Trent's head exploded. What are you talking about? Because Trent only ever dreamed of being a state champion. From the time he could understand what it was happening, that I won't be a state champion. I said, I know you will be, son. I never pushed him. It was always, <clears throat> he'd come ask me, how'd I do this? How'd I do that? Brad came along because he's a little tag-along brother. And then Brad actually took eighth and, or seventh at Iowa Nationals as a third grader. And then my mom and my wife convinced him to do soccer. So he left. That hurt Trent. He really did. And Trent still holds it against him because we had a crew for that little, little league team brawl. Yeah. All those guys that are juniors now on my team at EA were all together then. And they had this big plan. Hey, we get to high school. We're going we're gonna to win four championships in a row. Well, you know, they got older. Brad went off to soccer. This kid got a girlfriend. This kid got a job. Trent was the only one that held that pace, held that plan. Trent absolutely loved it. Trent was keeping a 3.5 GPA. You know why? Not because he wanted to be valedictorian, salutatorian. Not because he wanted to be an honor roll student. Because Division One schools require a 3.5 GPA for academic assistance. That's what he told me. Right? So... As we went along, Brad came back to to wrestling, played football his freshman year. I begged him to cut him. They wouldn't cut him because they weren't playing him. I said, dude, he's wasting time. But he wanted to wrestle, started wrestling again, and then something just, it was was magical. Trent went to state championship as a sophomore. That blew our minds. Set the single season record for wins. Set the single season record for pins. Then he comes out, and then Brad starts to get hungry. Now he starts to believe he can be a state champion. Has a great state tournament. Upsets the four seed. Loses to the one. Lost to the three. And then lost to the four for fifth and sixth. But had a great, great state tournament. But now he's hungry. Now, <coughs> Patrick, his schedule will allow it. I was talking to Miss Kara. I need an assistant coach. Because Mike comes when he can. But he right. shift work. Robert comes when he can. He shift work. Pat's like, I'll do it. Man. All four Mahoney's in the same restroom. When Patrick was born. Right after you graduate, I said, my life is going to be in this room and it is complete. That my son will grow up around all you guys. I'm not even going to have to parent. I'm going to coach him. Just like I did you guys. I'm going to let y'all be big brothers, uncles, guide them. And then I was going to spend all that time in that room just living the dream. That all my sons would grow up in that bad and child wrestling room. And there were changes. You know, I ended up being at EA. Pat didn't wrestle for, what, seven years. But it's fun for me now because now they're all with me in the same room. And you guys are still part of it. And I'm just I'm going to soak it up these next two years. I mean, it's great. And, and Pat's getting paid. First year coach, he's getting, I'm actually paying him. Which I, was a big step for Mahoney. You know, it took me 14 years to get a paycheck. Yeah. You know, he's getting, and he needs it. He's a little college guy. But um, actually the biggest challenge now 
is keeping the three brothers from killing each other. Okay. Because yeah. Brad, Trent, <clears throat> Trent right now is 24-0 outside the wrestling room. He can't touch Brad in the practice room. Brad's only lost once this year. And it's fun. And it's stressful. But every guy I've ever talked to, a coach for own kid, I feel their pain now. But I think the most fulfilling thing for me, you know, is, is and it's great having all of, all my all my sons in the same room with me. But the most fulfilling thing for me is when you talk to the old guys and how much they love my kids, how much they think my kids are an asset to the sport, how they constantly tell me what great sons I have and how they're great ambassadors to the sport, how they're great wrestlers and that they're great men. Now it means because you're too sometimes you're too close to it. You know, as dads you stay on your kid all the time. And you try not to, but sometimes you just can't help it. Yeah. No, you need to do that better. You need to do that better. And it has nothing to do with coaching. It's just about being a good person. And <clears throat> sometimes you think, man, I'm just not doing a good job. You know, I'm I'm failing. And that guy that you respect immensely, like a guy like Coach Boffinger, will come up and tell you, you got some of the nicest sons. And that means everything. I hold Coach Boffinger in the highest regard. You know, when I was a young coach, because I wasn't a good wrestler, I really didn't get the respect from the young coaches. But guys like Coach Boffinger, Coach Holder, Coach Morris from McKinley, Coach Kettleson from Bel Air, and Coach Payne from Terra, I just, I would stick myself to them. And whether they knew it or not, they were mentoring me. Yeah. You know, people get mad at my tournament because I make all the changes. Guys missing weight, whatever, whatever. I said, Coach Kellison taught me one thing. Everybody wrestles, Coach. Everybody wrestles. So if somebody wants to be a hard ass on weights, nah, let them do it next week, another tournament. <clears throat> Coach Bobinger, don't ever do weigh-in before 8 o'clock. And I have not yet ever done a weigh-in before 8 o'clock. You know what I'm saying? It's just these guys raised me without even knowing they are raising me. And it's fun for me now because they get to see my sons. I wish, I wish Coach Kellison was here. I definitely wish Coach, Coach Holder was here. I'm blessed Coach Holder got to spend some time with my kid before he passed. But, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, it's uh, humbling because I know so many people that don't really have anything they ever wanted. And I have everything I ever wanted. And it's fun. And I'm, in a, I'm just, I'm sitting back and enjoying it, man. It's a fun ride right now. Awesome. So, this is our lightning round. So real quick responses to these five questions or short answer questions anyway. Number one, favorite wrestling move? Doing or coaching? Farmers carry doing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I just need one. Uh, greatest mentor in your life? My dad. My dad. Yeah, he didn't get along with a lot of people, but he got along with a lot of people. You know, he was hard-headed. But he taught me probably the thing I think is my greatest asset is listen first, respond second. Always think of the other person's side of things before you make a judgment call or before you make any kind of decision. And I think that's always been my strongest suit is empathy. My dad taught me that. Okay. Empathy, that was like the major topic of my last podcast. Yeah, well, it... I don't care. I really don't care what group of people you're dealing with. People want their side to be heard. And you, you're going to feel a certain way about some things. But I'm going to feel a certain way about some things. And depending on what arena we're in, one of us is going to be more right than the other. And you have to be able to listen to that person and let them tell, them, tell their story. People just want to hey, look, this is how I feel. Okay, and I respect that. But in this arena, that's not going to help us. But I, I hear what you're saying. And that's all people want is just hear me. Right. 
Nothing frustrates me more than me trying to tell you something and you just keep cutting me off to say something else. My my principal, I get we have we have fits all the time because I go and say she keeps she keeps cutting me off. I'm like, stop. So I talk to my wife. Stop. <laughs> yeah. But my dad taught me that it's very important to be respectful and to listen first. And and uh, it took me a long time to realize what a good man he was. But once I realized it, I made sure every time I saw him, every time I left him, I kissed him, told him I loved him. So I, I, what I wouldn't give to argue with him just one more time, you know. Greatest uh, wrestler in Louisiana history that you never coached? That I never coached? That you never coached. Because otherwise it's just a bias. <coughs> I mean, I really think it, I think it will be Trent, but we're just going to remove that from the situation to make your life easier. I'm going to remove <coughs> everybody you ever coached from the situation. Well, I would say... Well, I mean, I, I mean, I work with Daniel Cormier on the national team, but I would say, I mean, if if you had to say, no one I even have ever had contact with. No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm yeah. saying that it wasn't a Baton Rouge higher EA wrestler. Oh, Daniel Cormier. Daniel. I mean, I think about Coleman Ruiz. I think about Kerry Bowman's. Um, those guys were studs to the next level. I mean, Coleman Ruiz may be one of the best men in the country. And I, I would have loved to know him more. I just knew him to say I shook his hand, told him good match. But Daniel, <coughs> I think Daniel Cormier, three-time state champ in Louisiana, uh, two-time Olympian, only Louisiana kid to ever make the D1 finals. And he only um, lost to the greatest wrestler of all time. And and I I always pick on about that loss because. We used to remember we used to go to Oklahoma to watch the OU Open. Yeah. During Thanksgiving weekend, well, that year we were watching Daniel wrestle, and how he let guys up and just <clears throat> palm punch them out of bounds. I said, like, "Look at Daniel just being a dick." Oh my God! Look at him just beating that kid up. Well, he takes. You know, I don't even remember the match. Yeah, yeah. He was losing by three, and he took. I remember losing by four. He took Kale down. And he went to let him up, but instead of palm punching him out, he kind of rolled back he on was his jail, heels, yeah. covered up, and Kale turned around, heel picked him, right. and took him down. And <clears throat> we were at Fargo together. I was like, what the hell were you thinking? He goes, man, coach, I don't know. That dude's quick. I was yeah. like, come on, man. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think Dan, and he's a great guy. And um, you know, he, he, he always, he's always kind of kept that boyish uh, attitude that, I don't think he ever really got caught up in the, I mean, he's still a good guy. Yeah, no, he never caught up in the in the fame or the right. drama or anything. Um, favorite song? Hotel California. Yeah? Hands down. Best best rock song ever written. Hotel California. I used to listen to it so much. My cousin that immigrated from Turkey lived with me for like six months when he first got here. He said he used to love that song. He hates it now. He still hates it. Because yeah. I I listen to it so much. He's like, God dang, dude, stop. I can't listen to the Eagles anymore because I listen to them so much. And, and it's my favorite songs ever with the Eagles. Can't listen to them one more time ever again. Oh, look. <coughs> Hotel California, when it comes on, even my family knows. Don't talk. <laughs> Don't talk. All right. Last question. Hardest working wrestler you ever coached? Well, man, that's tough. I mean, you. I would probably say if I had, if you make me pick one, uh, a kid that never won. He was in the finals last year, Devin Clark. This kid would leave football. He would leave football practice. Come to wrestling lifts, and then go back to football practice. He would, he was, he would work so hard. And in the six years I coached him, not one time that I ever hear him complain. He never missed a practice. He, I, and I'll never forget last year, and nobody knows this because this kind of kid he is. He was wrestling. 
one of the kids on the team. He picked him up and they're in practice. And you know when you see something like, you know, hey, I saw something. I'm not sure what I saw, but I saw something. I said, man, what's, what's going on with your shoulder? You look like you kind of. And he's like, uh, I, I think I heard it. I said, when? Uh, three weeks ago. Take him to trainer and got a torn labrum. So <clears throat> he wrestles his senior year with a torn labrum. And he's one of those kids that I literally would have given my left arm for him to be a state champion. Because when when you take a kid and you say, hey, follow me, trust me, I'm going to get you there. And this kid wholeheartedly, never a doubt, all right, coach, I'm with you. Gets to the finals, gets in a weird position, can't stop the move, goes, gets thrown to his back, ends up losing by two or three. And, you know, and you just feel for him. But when you have to pick one kid and you pride yourself on guys like you, Greg Punch, uh, I mean, Warren Roberts is a pretty hard worker. Uh, Devin Clark, you know, uh, Graham Carwoth, you know, Stephen Barat. I mean, these guys just get in the room and just grind. I mean, the thing that used to, the thing that I loved about you the most, the thing that pissed me off about you the most, you just never slowed down. Chapman, back off. You know, all right, coach, and just go 100% again. Easy, man. Yeah, but the good thing about guys like Warren and, and Devin Clark were, were they they were like stoics, man. I was a diva, so it's easy to look around on my work. Well, you know? I I don't you know what I don't think it's um I don't think it was when when you, when you say diva to me that kind of says something negative. I think what it was was is y'all all had the passion, but they just never expressed it. So guys are more vocal, you know. Uh, guys like Gus Christonis. You know, when you really get to know Gus, Gus was Gus was a good guy. Yeah. He when it when push came to shove, he was gonna do the right thing. But he just just the way he was wired, he was gonna he was always gonna have something to say. And but he he get in there and he worked and he he was a great wrestler. You know, you get a guy like Warren Roberts. How many times you lose lose to Raphael? Like five or six times in two years. Every time he lost on a head throw. State finals, winning by two, head thrown with 15 seconds left. On the edge of the mat, gives up two and two. He's walking over there and got that little grin on his face. Never a bad word. All right, Coach. Hey, I love you, Warren. I love coaching you. Well, he didn't know when he was walking over, I had that thing over my mouth. I was like, how the? Freaking, do you get freaking thrown in the freaking head? You know, but when he walked, when he got to me, you know the kid, he worked hard. I, you know, he, he, I probably one of the, one of the fa- most things I regret most is getting on Eddie when he lost his last match of senior year to a guy he beat in the quarters. You know, and I'm not perfect, but I just it just got to me. Oh, how'd you lose to that guy? You know what I'm saying? You just, you Martinez? Just, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Eddie was a hardworking guy. So, but I, I'd say, yeah, I would, really between you and Devin, you know, I guess I, I give Devin a little more credit because he never got what you had, you know? I can appreciate that. You, you, got, you got the hoodie from the league. We got to see the championships, you know. And there was always that one guy that would get him at the end. And, you know, he just never got, he never, I just never felt like he never got the respect of the just due. I think he got the respect of people that knew him. And you know, you're right. It's those guys that did all that work that just didn't get the payoff in the end, but they worked maybe just because they love working, you know. Because it made them feel good, and and I liked it, but I'm with you, man. It's those guys that just always fell up short in the end. So, man, I appreciate your time. I love you, Coach. 
Thanks for coming on, and we'll see y'all next week, guys.